Welcome to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am Lisa Ann and glad to be here with you today. Thank you for listening. And let's just give a thanks right now. Everybody stand up if you're driving. Just just clap for Chris, my producer, who just really just makes shit happen. And uh, I don't shout you out enough, Chris. Actually, one of my friends scolded me about this and told me that I don't shout out my producer enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. What's going yeah. on us? Yeah, the friends Thank are you. all starting to listen. You know, we've had some guests, <laughs> and they're starting to think this thing is going to stick. And, you know, I get a text, and I'm like, you know, that podcast with Jay Moore was two weeks ago, but I'm still getting the stragglers. I'm like, oh, so yep. you actually are my friend, but clearly you like Jay Moore more than me because this is the first <laughs> time you've mentioned the mailbag, which I've been doing from the jump. And we'll be doing a mailbag today. Chris, another reason to give you thanks is because. You crush it on the mailbag. The accent seems to be, Thank you. you know, it hits it out of the park. That's the only thing I've got, really. I've got to utilize it as much as I can because I think that's why people enjoy listening to me. That's why when I was on Mad Dog Radio, people wanted to listen only because of the accent, not because of anything I said. I don't think people pay attention to what I say. They just pay attention to what I sound like. And I'll take it. Yeah, either way, it's a win. But you also yep. have a smooth voice, so we'll go to that. Thank you. But we have Wow, this a, is a nice, yeah, nice yeah. day. My goodness, yes, I'm in a good mood now. Just to write this down. Oh. Take some notes, everybody. It's been a good day today. Well, we've had some spring-like weather up here in the Northeast. As a matter of fact, three days in a row last week, Chris, it was 72 degrees. It's been nice. It's been the same down here in North Carolina. We actually spent all day Saturday at the park. It was the best. I just needed one of those days. So me, you know, being the obsessive, compulsive freak that I am, sees this spring week and decides, no, I'm not going to go out and enjoy the nice weather on Saturday. I'm going to work out at the gym in the morning. Of course, no one's using the gym now that it's nice out. And I'm going to de-winterize my house. I want to take all the winter sweaters out, all the boots, all the coats, all the gloves, and just, and you know, when you start a project like this, halfway through, you have that moment of like, why the fuck did I start this project today? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's overwhelmed you. You have that yes. moment of like, this probably was fine without me touching all of it. Yep. But I did it. And I left myself like a mini winter survival setup <laughs> of days like today where it looks very nice out, but it's fucking below 30 and the wind is blowing to the point where I almost blew across the street. <laughs> so um, I had lightweight clothes on, but I had a, one heavy coat, but everything else is packed. Because to me, Chris, this is how I'm going to manifest spring. And so everyone knows um, I also won't be able to leave my house if it stays 30 degrees because I'm not unpacking all that stuff. I did the, the, the vacuum bags where you stick the vacuum mm-hmm. to it, shrink it all down. All my sweaters were in like... I made four bags of stuff that I wasn't going to use next week, took it directly to Salvation Army and donated wow. it. Like By 6 p.m., I was on my couch saying, yo, can you believe you just winterized your house? You summarized your house. Like It's very exciting. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I did as well. Not, I didn't throw out anything or give away anything away, but I wore shorts and a tee the entire weekend and flip-flops. Wore it the entire weekend. I don't think I'd worn... Nice short. I wore workout shorts uh, in the last you know couple of months, but it was the first time that I had just worn kind of dress shorts when I went out over the weekend, and it was nice. And I, I'm going to refuse to go back to it, even if it's cold. I agree. I with don't you. want to go I will back. suffer. 
I will just suffer through it. I'll just yeah. be stubborn like that. Yeah. I'll suffer. It's not that bad. I'll throw on something. I'll deal with it because I'm not mentally there. There's no snow on the ground. So obviously it's not that cold. But you know, you say the flip-flops. When I go to California, the first thing I do when I get picked up at the airport is I like to take off my shoes and put on my flip-flops. Or at least as soon as we get the house, I'm putting on my flip-flops. Kind of everywhere we go, it's jeans and flip-flops because it's so exciting to wear them because I will say this in New York. You, I would rather do so many other horrible things like be stunned to death like by bumblebees than wear flip-flops on the streets in the city. It's disgusting. I'm a huge flip-flop wearer. I don't think I've ever done it in Manhattan. And I lived in no Manhattan way. for a couple of years. No, No way. I don't even wear my shoes inside my house. But that's no. beyond the point. I feel like I accomplished. I feel like for everyone out there, I did this for all of us. I may have to freeze for like the next month. We have another cold streak. <laughs> but um, I did eliminate things. And also, it's just those things are just so bulky. Like your closets are so much more intact when you don't have sweaters and all these bulky coats and all this other stuff. Absolutely. And that's why we kind of, in our new house, we've got a dedicated uh, coat uh, closet. So we just put it all in there so it's not taking up space in our in our main closet. And it kind of works. Yeah, it's the- I appreciate that. And you it, have it can be put off in the closet. Yeah. I live in a little apartment. You know what I mean? It's a struggle over here. Hey, I don't have this. Even though, of- <laughs> here's the thing though, your place is still probably 10 to- worth 10 times more than our place, even though Doesn't our place matter. is much bigger. Uh, closets are not getting value over here. Okay. True. So. That's kind of how I did. I did my. That's how I did my Saturday. It was really exciting. It was just a nice day. I had all my windows open, the the door open. But I needed the fresh air because I spent the entire week planning my death, and I'm still really working on this. And 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 this is shocking to you, right? Yep. So I'm in the process of doing my will and my trust. And you know, this is something that I don't have children. I'm not married, so. If something were to happen to me right now, you know, it would be somebody would have to go to probate, which is years. And most likely the state and the government is just going to keep my money, which that's not why I worked so hard. So I want to be able to make sure that the people that have been special to me would would have my money, you know, these little organized things. But there's also levels to this. Now, when you have, you're an author, you're still going to have income coming in once you die which means your daily power of attorney that you have right now, you need another one because you're going to need your accountant to keep your corp going because you're going to have this income, which allows me an income to dedicate to a trust, to dedicate to charity. So it's kind of cool to know that once I pass away, that there could still be some earnings that they're going directly to charity. Like, this is cool because by then you're like, my friends are going to be all okay. And I'm going to give them money out of my money. And this would just be a great thing to do. But there's a lot of planning. So then you think to yourself, well, do I want to have a service? And if so, do I want it to be a rager? Like, do I reach out to a friend <laughs> in Vegas and be like, yo, what would it take for me? Let's say down the road, you know, the entire pool, let's say Mandalay Bay, open bar, <laughs> you know, like, what do I pay on this? And I, I would have that in the books and the ready of the will. It would go then to the money. You know, do I want to do this? Now there's the whole, who wants my fucking ashes, right? Who wants my fucking ashes? Yeah. Well, there's actually, you can make things out of ashes. As a matter of fact, you can make diamonds out of as- ashes from human remains. Yes, I said it, diamonds. You can also make trinkets, key rings, all this. So now I'm down this rabbit hole, Chris. I mean, you thought the will was going to take me like, you know, a week, but there's been so many beautiful layers of a new understanding of a world that I was like, do I want to make it rain? Do I want to have a diamond? Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to have a party? You know, what do I do? Um, and so it's been exciting because why not kind of get into it, right? I mean, it's morbid, 
the woman that I work working with that does this, she has to talk to people about their death all day. So of course you want to make a lot of jokes in this situation because <laughs> it's not ideal, but it's also cool to know that your future thinking and that this will be done. And but um, there, there's a lot of variables here. I had no idea I would get so into it to the fact that like all my friends last week have dealt with this conversation. Now some friends will not talk to me about it. They're like, I'm dying before you. Because I don't want to deal with you dying. So I can't talk to them. Those are not, we don't talk. But my other friends, I'm like, what do I do? You know, do I hire snacks? Who won't be popular by then? Uh, do I do a nightclub? Do I just send everybody like a gift card? Like, do I think about what the party would cost and send everybody I knew that I would have invited to this party, you know, some money on a gift card for them to go drink somewhere else on me. And then the whole world is drinking. Do we make this an official toast day? Like there have been, this has gone pretty fucking haywire and the people everyone involved you know they have to ask your friends when do you think is a good time medically that i would no longer be fit you know all of these great questions that are ending up uh, a week long ton of jokes uh good situations and my friends are now like i really wish you didn't you know sell your sports collection because you know <laughs> i would ask you leave me like like oh now that i have nothing i have no things stop you want my bobbleheads like who wants my bobbleheads um, it's really about the big picture and it's also about closure and I don't want somebody to be stuck with my ashes. So yes, I'm doing the accessories. Yes. I'm going to have a nice grip made. So if there's new people in my life by then or people have actually, yes, I'm on this. This is going to be kind of spectacular. I love that. You're such an optimistic person. Everyone knows this about you, but you're so optimistic that you've made Writing your will and putting a will together seem like an exciting adventure. But Not many people can do that, and you've just done that. Thank you. I mean, it is your last <laughs> words with the world. I mean, my friend Peggy, who lived to two days before her 102nd birthday, and I had her Oof. in my life for 43 years, and she was like a mom, dad, grandmother. She was everything to me. She was my closest human, my person. She wrote her entire service. Everything she wanted said, who she wanted to say it. So the pastor had to come out of retirement because he committed to her when she was putting this together. And she said, if you're alive, I don't care how you get here, but you have to do my service. <laughs> and uh, she picked the music and she told jokes and it ended with a joke. It ended with her admitting something that nobody really knew about her except me was that she loved Whoppers from Burger King. <laughs> and she went once a week and had a Whopper. This was a woman that never drank, yes. never smoked, ate completely out of her own garden, had well water. You know, she was a farmer, but she had this thing, the Whopper. She had the thing for the Whopper. And when she said that, the whole room at her service lasts. And that's what she, her last words were. And I'm like, she dies a baller. By having nothing left for error, this is exactly how I want this to go down. Do it. Yeah. Her last words. Wow. So thank you. Yeah, I have found a way to be super optimistic about it because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm idea. I'm just a curious person. Yeah. And you know, I kind of wanted to interview the woman that does this for a living. So what's it like? Are most people freaking out? Are people calm about this? Like, what are they the most worried about? You know, um, because you have to ask a lot of questions, right? Mm -hmm. So. There's that, planning the death, and it's been a joyous experience. Um, it's also made me nag all of my friends that are older than me to plan theirs. You know what I mean? Like, so this has been an ongoing, but you realize that there's people in your life that you'd like to leave a little bit of money to. I have a lot of younger people in my life, whether it's my videographer from LA or photography, people that I know that I'm just like, you know, wouldn't they just like to get a check down the road somewhere? I don't know, or boom, like one more piece out. 
Maybe we hadn't talked for 20 years. They get this money. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So I just want to sprinkle. It's that one last bit of joy that I can share with the closing of my life. That's fantastic. Love it. Thank you. I hope you're all as enthused as I am. I I suggest you do it. Uh, It's not a cheap process, but you you just want to make sure your body's not laying around for days. You want to have this organized shit going, like how this is going to be handled and where. I mean, I was asking questions like, what happens if you're in another state? How do you get back to your home state? Where do you go? Like, what do they do with your body? Like, I was, (laughs) I I had a lot of questions. So a great learning lesson and uh, fun along the way. I did also decide over the weekend to go into the iTunes page and read some reviews on this said podcast, oh, Lisa and Experience. Nice. Have you done this lately, Chris? I, I haven't done it for probably two months. You would think that I was out there hiring people, which I bet you there is a business to do this where you can hire a massive amount of people to write great reviews, but I didn't do it. And there's some great reviews on there, which really makes me want to like, Take this thing seriously. So, you know, I'm committed. I've decided I'm going to commit to this podcast. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> you know what? I will as well while we're at it. You know what? Why don't we just... It's we, we, I used to do it without a studio. We're making this happen. You don't even live near me anymore. We're not even neighbors. You're in a different state. Everything's just up in the air. This is kind of solid. This is our weekly thing that's solid. So I think we should stick with it. Yep. You know, why not? Got nothing else no. to do. So, you know, on that note, I also think it's great that I bring in guests that I know people want to hear me have a conversation with. And that brings me to another friend and another previous favorite co-worker and so much more. You know her as Brett Rossi. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Brett Rossi. Brett, hello, sweetheart. It is so good to see your absolutely beautiful face. It's been so long. I'm so excited to see you and talk to you. It's always so fun when we catch up and chat. I agree. And, you know, for my listeners out there, one of the things I've been doing with all of my friends from the industry is I've been making sure that we do a pre-call and catch up before we actually do our conversation on air because it gets us time to really filter through a lot of thoughts and really see where we're at. And and it really lets us reconnect so that we're having a valuable conversation for others instead of us just going back and forth talking with you. And it was so absolutely incredible to stay on the phone with you the other night and just catch up. That makes me feel so good. And me and you and I, we can talk for for hours. I looked at my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, we were on the phone for like two hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's two hours. You know, I've definitely become more of a talker during this slowdown in life. And like I'm on FaceTime trying to find a way to have my phone in a stand, but still be charging it because my phone's dying. So I've been on the same conversation for three hours. But Brett, you know, you've been doing so many incredible things since I left the industry and left California. And one of my you know things I've admired so much about you is your quest for education. How many times you've kind of stopped and really gravitated towards something and learned everything about it. And you transitioned into this amazingly curious, educated woman. And the last time we had worked together, you were studying to go to, you were going to nursing school to be an EMT, which you succeeded. And now you are also, now you are going to school, to beauty school, which I it's think like a totally awesome. different spectrum, right? People are like, wait a minute, you were in nursing school, you were working as a medic, and now you're in beauty school. Like, it's such the opposite 
side of the spectrum. I'm just it isn't it isn't if you think about beauty school and you think about, you know, your standard operating area has to be so meticulously clean, understanding germs and why things are labeled. There is a bit of that sanitary factor from your education. But let's start first at EMT, what it was like, because I know that school was really hard. Yeah. And I actually did like the accelerated program. So with the accelerated program, it's just it's the course itself is very intense. And a lot of people don't realize how intense it is and how much stuff you have to learn because you're out there. You are the first person on the scene of the accident. You are the first person there to literally save someone's life. And I just really, you know, what's funny is I don't like being overwhelmed, but I do like being overwhelmed because I fully and golf, whatever it is I'm trying to focus on. Sure. You work well in panic. Yeah. And, um, I work well in panic, but I don't work well in stress. And I know that they're very closely related, but there's kind of a difference when you're in panic mode, you have that like adrenaline rush, but when you're stressed, you have like, just kind of like this lag to you and no motivation. So, so when you were an EMT and you were feeling that panic and able to manage it, but then the stress of COVID came into your element. Talk to me about that and how it changed your whole perspective. Because first of all, so, you know, I'm not like, I don't freak out if I walk into a hospital, but I've come up on some really bad car accidents and it's traumatized me to the point where I can't sleep for weeks and things happen. And I'm not good with like, I can't even watch ER. Like I don't watch any, I don't watch any, like if they're cutting something open, I'm out. So it's amazing that you can deal with that. So you're ready to come up on a car accident and be like, okay, what do we have to do here? But the stress of COVID, how did it change your experience with that panic that you were able to really live in well? You know, um, when COVID first started coming about, we in the medical field would hear like whisperings about this COVID. And um, when people started getting really, really sick, my people as in my patients, I started realizing that this is a lot more serious than, you know, just the average flu. And um, when I, it was when I started witnessing so many people pass away on my watch or my friend's watch or whatever it was, it started making me really think about if I'm cut out for the medical field. And I, I, I was so attracted to blood, guts and gore. That's kind of the reason why I wanted to be in the medical field. Um, my ultimate goal was I wanted to be a trauma nurse. Um, but then I realized it's not just blood, guts, and gore. It's families losing their loved one. And that was what I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle someone hugging me because their patient or their loved one, my patient passed away and the heartbreak really started to eat me alive. And I realized that I was so focused on trying to break the stigma of this controversial career I had before, um, that I listened to so many outside influences to tell me, Oh, you need a, a real job. You need to be, um, in the medical field because they're so highly respected, et cetera, et cetera. But I realized that 
I focused too much on other people telling me what I should be doing instead of following my own heart. And that's kind of when I realized that I needed to get out. So um, as COVID progressed, I, I left. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Did you see other women feeling the same way? I mean, there has to be an energy of sadness that you bring home with you, especially when it got to the point where everybody had to die alone and nobody was allowed to be in there with their family. I mean, that was crushing to me to just hear about on the news. I wonder how this will affect the future of first responders who lived through this crisis. I mean, there's definitely a lot of trauma that that is associated with it. Um, I mean, you have your patient on a gurney and you're waiting in the hallways of the hospital for hours. I'm talking 10 plus hours and um, there's no beds. There's nothing you can do They're They're, you know, in pain, they don't feel good. And there's really nothing you can do. And that feeling of being so helpless, helpless was, yeah, it just really ate me alive. And I would talk to a lot of other females who were, um, in the same field and they were also working on an ambulance and we all felt just extremely worn down in the very beginning. So I have so much respect for those who have made it through the whole pandemic because I just experienced the beginning. And you and California, where you are currently, didn't have a strong beginning like we did here in New York. Like, yo, in New York, it was like we were living on a different planet. It was like everybody's like, oh, New York's the worst. And then eventually it did make its way out west to have numbers in California that were crushing. Yeah. And at first, we didn't really know why so many patients were sick. Um, A lot of us, you know, when we would do our assessments, um, we would just say, oh, you know, it's probably pneumonia. And then we take them to the hospital. Um, but then you realized it was much deeper than that. And I never really opened up and talked about that portion of my my life because it was so short lived. I mean, it was only like nine or 10 months. And um, but it was the most eye opening experience because I am all about life experience. I'm all about dabbling in different trades and learning different things. I love to educate myself. I love to just, you know, really immerse myself in in learning new things because we'll never evolve as individuals if we're just stuck doing the same thing over and over and over again. And let's just say there was a major crisis. You're still available to help if need be, right? This isn't an education. Like the more things you're learning, the more opportunities you have, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing and the better it makes you. And it just makes you so incredibly whole. So did you take a little, please tell me girl that you took a little time off because one thing I know that we'll, we'll get to after, we'll just go here, your horses. I've met your horses. And it's one of the beautiful things you have in lo- your life. And one of the great things about California is, other than the couple rainy days or a rainy season every couple <laughs> of years, right now. you get to ride. <laughs> I know. It's weird because you guys are having late so rains. Weird. It's freaking me out. Normally, it's February because, like, I know my friends, te- we text the weather every day. We're always doing the thing. Um How did you, did you take a break after that experience before you decided, okay, I'm going right back to school again to learn again, which I know you power through books and I know that you learn incredibly fast, which is so admirable. But did you take some time off to just ride the horses? Mm, 
No, <laughs> I was actually, you know, when I was working as a medic, I was actually simultaneously going to school, trying to knock out those classes because my end goal was to be an RN. And um, this was not my first rodeo trying to become a nurse and taking the classes and dropping out. Anybody who is seeking to become an RN understands the amount of schooling and stress and demand it takes on you both mentally and physically. But I was, I was doing both. I was working 24 hour shifts, three days a week. Um, and then I would go, I would work from 7am to 7am. And then I would have a class at 9am the Mm. next day and go straight to school and just totally exhausted. So when I left, um, working on the ambulance, I finished doing the courses that I had already been signed up for, like statistics and all that stuff. Um, And then I went back on the road to feature dance because I just I've always you know, I, I grew up in the entertainment industry. I've always been somehow associated with it. So every time I've left the entertainment industry, I've always felt like a part of me was empty. I understand. That's kind of what led me to. Um, the beauty industry, because it's not quite in front of the camera. I'm kind of getting to the point where, you know, I'm tired of looking perfect and being yeah. in the best shape. Like, yeah. I just want to eat cupcakes and donuts when I feel like it. You love donuts. When I see donuts, I, I, I think donuts. of you. When I see donuts, I think of you. Okay. So that's a good thing. But no, I get that. Listen, people say to me all the time on social media, you know, have you ever thought about talking sports on TV? And I'm like, no. You don't understand. I love being on the radio. I can do my morning show in my fucking pajamas. Okay. Like, you know, I don't have to, I put on makeup when I want to. And I try to map out as many things in one day as I can when that makeup is on my face. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know, so today I'm going to go run all my errands. Cause of course you are in LA. You've got to be looking fly. If you're going to run some fucking errands, keep going out looking like no scrub. Okay. So it's the one thing I'm going to miss about getting rid of my winter coat. When you wear a nice winter coat and a scarf, you actually look like you're dressed up. You can fully have your pajamas on underneath. Nobody really knows. But back to you, I think the beauty business is just so spot on for you because it's also a wellness. It's overall wellness, right? right. It's And that's what people, you know, when you're, you're taking care of yourself, self-help, self-care, I don't minimize getting your nails done. Don't minimize getting your hair done because that's just as important in the rituals that make you feel good from the inside out. 100%. Um, that was, that was, I've, I've always wanted to help people. I've always been a helper. I always go out of my way to help people. Um, but with the beauty industry, making a woman feel beautiful, it, there's just something that makes you feel so good because especially nowadays with social media and the perception of how you have to look, um, you know, the standards of beauty have been so distorted due to social media that so many women struggle with, you know, their confidence and, and what looks good on them. And if I can just contribute a little bit to making them feel good, then I feel so much better about myself because I'm just not, I've always wanted to be a person in society that contributes, that doesn't take, but contributes. So that's always just been my life motto. And you know, I had a day spa for four years in Huntington beach, um, myself. And I I went, yeah, I I went to beauty school to get my esthetician license only because legally 
If my therapist got into like a waxing crisis, even though I knew how to fix it by law, I wasn't allowed to help. So I actually went to school at night. Oh yeah, I had a day spa. It was a great experience. I look at it as my four-year college education because it was my first time, you know, dealing with independent contractors, employees, a wild landlord. I went through a divorce during that, that ownership as well. Like it was just a lot. But what I loved was just how people felt when they were leaving as compared as when they entered. And I'm like, when I get my hair done, I try not to work. You know, I try to just relax. Maybe I'll listen to sports radio. Maybe I'll listen to music, but it's something that's really important. I can remember, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, you know, of course there were underground people doing people's hair and nails, but but here's the fucking thing. You couldn't get them in your building in the city. Okay. You could not get them from through past the front desk because you weren't allowed any guests. It was like being in a hotel. It wasn't like being in California. You could have guests in your place. No guests. Okay. And the buildings were like doing them, but you had to figure out how to get through the back alley, through the back entrance, do some mm-hmm. weird shit. So, and but you know what? Worth it. Like doing it because I just, and I did press on nails for like three months. I would put them on every day when I was doing live stuff. And then I would pop them off at night because it was so annoying. I was, but it was just all this shit, but it just made a difference. And my girlfriends laughed at me like, you'd risk COVID to get your nails. I'm like, it's not that. I'm being safe. They have the plexiglass up. They're all doing this. But that's just something that really brings me together. You know, I've still worn perfume every single day alone in quarantine. I love perfume. I actually have a perfume collection. (laughs) I love perfume just to me. It's my last step. You know, and I like to mix. I like to wear two different scents. So it's and I just it just makes me happy as I'm getting ready to start my day. You feel the same? You know, what I really I guess you could look, there's so many different ways to look at COVID and the, the whole pandemic experience as a whole in the very beginning, I'm not going to lie. I really struggled with my mental health, but that's something that is a continuous struggle with me. So it kind of amplified it for a second. Sure. I could center my focus and look at the positive of it. And what I think COVID really did for me, the pandemic itself, is it really helped me shift my focus on what is important and what is not important, who is really there for me yeah. and who isn't. Yeah. Um, and it was just a nice time away from the, I traveled so much all the time right to feature dancing. I mean, right. every and I was in a different. No, you and um, me both. We both yeah, love. We so love that totally, life. I, I remember. You know, remember what it's like to just night, early mornings. Always a suitcase night. half packed in the corner. Always there's always stuff around because why really put it away? You're always thinking, what do I need to pick up? Like it's a different life when you're on the road and you're flights and traveling and different clubs and you get product. You do this. Your mind is constantly going, and I know. I had already stopped, but I know how you felt because when I first stopped, I thought, why do I have all this extra mental free time? Like, I'm just like thinking because there's not all this like noise of like, oh, I have to talk to an agent that I fucking hate, you know, like, (laughs) you know, all of those things, you know what I mean? That went around the the feature dance thing, but on that, you know, and, and I agree. And I think everyone had levels where they struggled, whether it was watching too much news in the beginning, whether it was being disconnected from family, whether it was being alone, whatever, everybody had their own. But I feel the same. It, once I accepted, I was having to take a beat and there would be no trip to Portugal this year. You know, as I had my year planned out of where I wanted to go. Once I accepted my fate, I was like, okay, and what can I do here? And I really just changed everything about my existence, my life, my future planning. My I went through hard drives and organized photos from travel and just did stuff that I was like, I have a ton of shit that right. I never really did right. 
But now that I have the time, how would you like to catalog these photos so you never lose them? Exactly. I, and, and it was fun because you're looking back on, you know, all the quirky places you go on the road that you actually did have a great time at that weird yeah, restaurant. Yeah, you know, I did. <laughs> I, and that was the thing is I, I did miss like my adventures because when I travel, I am go, 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 go. I'm not sleeping. I want to see the whole, even if it's like a ho-dunk town of like 300 people, I want to see everything there is to offer in that town. I'm always um, an adventure seeker. But what was nice is my horses have always been a huge part of my life, but you know, I couldn't really dedicate riding them six days a week right. or whatever it was. Right. Like, that's just not feasible when you're on the road and then you're going to school and yeah. all these other business ventures you have. But the pandemic really allowed me to 100% submerge myself into nature and be one with my horses. Yay. A lot of people don't understand the connection. You know, someone told me the other day, like, uh, you know, are you still addicted to your horses? And I said, it's not an addiction. It's a hobby. It's a passion. It's a love that you really can only understand if you connect with animals on that level. And nature. You know, the combination of both just, you know, people just going out for a walk can make you feel so much better. I tell people all the time, just get some fresh air and then you've got the double whammy. And also it's scenically absolutely beautiful where you get to ride. It's so neat. You know, know, it's so beautiful. The other day I went on like a three hour trail ride, just my horse and I, and I saw this beautiful blue jay and I just stopped and just, I've never gawked over a blue jay, but I saw this blue jay and it was so beautiful. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, there's so much more to the world than social media and, you know, looking perfect and flashing your, your vacations and your Rolex watches and your Cartier and Louboutin. And it got to the point where I put all of my, my designer stuff in storage. I was like, I don't even care. I, I just totally shed. I've never really been a vain person, but the industry kind of makes you a certain aesthetic. And I just, looked at myself in the mirror one day and I was like, who cares? <laughs> it's it's part like, of understanding, cares? you know, how I went through minimalism and how I now live in a minimalistic lifestyle. And I understand like, if I'm going to get something new, I have to get rid of something and you should sell all of those bags and all of those things on like the real, real or Poshmark. And it'd be yeah. fun. You should do that. But I know you're very busy, but the nature thing and the horses, like I'm thrilled that you found the time because anybody who had you know, a pet or, you know, one of my girlfriends who was a teacher, like I encouraged her to start a garden immediately. She was yeah. in Northern California. I'm like, oh my God, you found the time and you could photograph it and you could share it with your students. And I think it'd be a really fun project for you. And it's super easy. And, you know, so there was like, I felt like, okay, we just got handed a ton of free time, mm-hmm. something we've always needed more time. Sure. We may have liked our lives the way they were. We were running at a fast pace and traveling and seeing the world, meeting new people all the time. But now that's not the option. The option is here. Um, and I found it pretty interesting. Like I made rules for myself. I didn't really want to get into watching TV a lot during the day because that's what I do if I'm depressed. And yeah. that's kind of a lazy reset for me. And it's like, well, if you're going to do that, it's nice how you should go get a walk or or read something or like engage, like reach out to a friend, like do something. So I made these rules. I didn't, I didn't obsess with too much news, but I started riding the city bikes because I wasn't afraid of traffic in New York Those City. Those are so fun. <laughs> I love so, them. Except New York is so scary riding them. Well, so that's, that's the thing. That At the beginning, I was able to ride in the middle of the street. There were absolutely no cars. 
So I took advantage. So that was my connecting with nature. But now here we are at this point where we can see the future. We know things are getting better. Um, What do you miss the most? Do you just miss, are you like me, like Dora on the road? Like, do you just miss the randomness of going to cities that you would never go to on vacation? It was my favorite. My friends were like, why do you like going to Lincoln, Nebraska? I'm like, I like going to anywhere I would never choose to go on my own that I get to see by not my choice. Yeah, I you know what I really miss is um the random like museums and uh tours I would go on. I went on a Miller tour once. Okay. It was so fun. I got so hammered from the samples. <laughs> and I don't even like beer, but I was like, okay, and my assistant and when I went in Rome, you know? Yeah, my assistant and I at the time just had a blast. I mean, it was so cool because my grandmother actually worked for Miller Brewing Company and she retired. Uh, She was one of their accountants. And um, when I was a kid, it was weird. They had this bring your daughter to work day and my grandmother raised me. So I was her daughter and I was like five and they took us kids on a tour of like the the bottling. They would never do that nowadays. Bottling towards. So it was cool to see it now as an adult and be like, wow, this is, it's kind of like came full circle. And that's what I really miss the most. Um, I toured the Polaroid plant in like 1996. It is even there. It's like uh, Massachusetts somewhere with some random ass town. But like a guy came in the club. He's like, I work at the Polaroid factory. You want to tour the plant tomorrow? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, but I did the same. And I miss that just like randomness of it. Right. There was just always good people watching. But I don't miss the late nights. I don't miss that. I love, I cannot believe how much I love going to bed early. And I fantasize that. I can remember being on stage my last couple of years on the road and going, I can't wait until I'm in bed. Like, and now I love going to bed super early and getting up super early. Like the total opposite. I go to bed. It's so funny. I go to bed around nine and I wake up around six and I've always been like that my whole life. And people would be like, how do you? how are you on the road? Like, yeah, you, you just, just do it. Cause you have to work in the morning and then yeah. you have an eight o'clock flight. And like, how do you do that? And I'm not going to lie. Um, I was a crab on the way to the airport. My <laughs> Every assistant I had, like I would have to apologize to them because I'd be like, look, I'm a horrible person. When did I'm you do what I did and stayed up until you went to the airport? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so was I would do my last gig. I would try and get like the six or 7am flight, but you know, you had to reach out the club in advance. How late are you actually going to put me up? Is my show at midnight? Is it two? Are I going to be on stage? at 3.30 worried that I'm not going to make it to the fucking airport. Like, you know, that whole, they're like, you know, you better off take the 8 a.m. Meanwhile, you get to the airport at like 5.30 in the morning. And uh, you're like, still with all open. this makeup on, right? You're like, open. You uh, smell like a strip club. It's disgusting. I mean, I would do my best to take a shower, but there was never time to wash your face. That was yeah. a whole new thing. That was a whole other thing. What were we going to do? More makeup on? Go there. So you'd be there, five pair of lashes on, some remnants of some girl's glitter. They got on your hair on stage. You're disgusting. And you and you're and you, you're holding your bags because you got cash. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're looking at people like I will murder you, not just because I'm tired, because you're going down to cash. And then a random fan comes up to you and asks for a photo. Oh, and you're like, dude, I'm hungry. I want to murder you. I want to murder you. And I look horrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but no, I really don't. I I really don't want to take a picture. I would always say to them, I'm not working right now. Do you do things when you're not working for your boss? No, I'm not working right now. But yeah, I miss that too. Do you see yourself going back to any of it? Like 
you know me now, I do these like what I call fringe activities where I got to referee a champagne wrestling contest during the day at a strip club, which I thought was fantastic. That's, that's amazing. That these are things like that I think you would really enjoy. But I, I tell people, you can hire me, but I have to keep my clothes on. This is the new gig. I have to keep my clothes on. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing that. You know, I, I, I didn't mind it when I did it. But that was also when my whole life was focused on what my body looked like and all the time yeah. and tanning and tanning. I look like now I'm like, did, did any oh, of I am so pale. I like look at myself when I take, you know, pictures and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I don't God. mind it, though. I more mind the fact that when I am loading and recycling old content onto OnlyFans, I will send my best friends in a group text or a couple people. Why didn't anyone tell me to stop fucking tanning? I mean, there was a point in time where I was just too tan. And, you know, because it's important. You do the same routine. You're like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to go tan. And next thing you know, you're doing this five days a week. Next, you know. Yeah. So you've left the industry. You no longer shoot for other people. But you still do engage with your followers and your fans through your own personal page on OnlyFans. We know OnlyFans has become a huge conversation. And before we got to do this conversation, I was reading an article about something I talked about months ago when mom started getting on was I hope they understand what comes with this because it's been great to hear all the news stories. Oh, housewife making a hundred grand housewife. Oh, you guys never bragged about us making money as porn stars. Okay. You never propped us up on some pedestal. Like this was some great idea. They have good for them. And now a lot of these moms are running into obstacles where their children are being let go of private schools. What's going to yeah. be great is these are going to be the moms that are the frontier legal battle fighters for mm-hmm. actual sex workers who yeah. have been dealing with this kind of discrimination for our entire careers. We took a choice that would just subject us to being discriminated against. And so I, when I watched this whole thing unfold, I thought, I hope everyone realizes kind of what comes with it. It's not easy. Some fans get a little overzealous Some fans make you feel less safe. You know, I would probably be afraid if I had little ones because people are next level creepy. But I don't think these moms that are just making good money right now have any idea of what we have seen from the inside out and what they might eventually face. So with you kind of taking a step away, creating your own path on OnlyFans, how have you been able to make this difference? You stay into a safe bubble. You feel good about and you enjoy it because you still get to engage with the people that are good. Yeah. You know, I didn't leave um, the adult industry like shooting mainstream okay. adult films um, because I was, you know, I the thing is, is I just wasn't happy doing it anymore. The industry has changed so much. I is mean, it because you didn't want to be a stepmom or a stepsister or a mom? You no, know, I didn't. Or- <laughs> or be married to some creepy extra like a thing right now it's like a trend amongst these companies I and i didn't feel comfortable doing that um i i didn't feel comfortable being called a milf i mean they were calling me a milf at 27 i know bless your heart boobs. and a lot of it was the the talent pool just wasn't of quality anymore it was just anyone and everyone thought that they could be a performer and that was that and i just no longer really felt safe yeah. but also I I was a contract girl the majority of my tenure. And when that contract era ended, I was always trying to seek a company that would give me a contract because it's I'm so much easier. No, it's so much easier. You're dealing with one group of people who know what directors you enjoy, what staff, what crew, what everything, even look, what click. You only have to talk to one person. 
Yeah. When you start working, and I remember I was a contract girl for the most of my young career too. So it was organized as fuck. And then it went yeah. to like, oh, I've got to sift through all of this and I've still got to fight to get paid and I've got to be sure this check doesn't bounce and how will I get the DVDs? And did they lie to me about putting me on the box and cover? Fighting for, <laughs> fighting for your rate. Like, yeah, yeah. I like, used to say, this isn't a fucking swap meet. This is my vagina. That's what yeah, it costs. And, <laughs> and I mean, I, I adore the adult industry for the simple fact that it gave me the life that I have now. It's me too. financially, um, you know, I have no debt. I, I'm just, which is great. I'm so grateful for that aspect. So I don't want anyone to get the idea. They, you know, people always simulate those who leave the industry, like, oh, they hate the industry, blah, yeah, blah. And it's not that at all, because technically I'm still kind of in the industry because yeah. I, I have my only fans and whatnot, but I, to answer your question about the, the mothers that are making like a hundred grand a year, I think the perception a month, a month, of, a mo- Oh, a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're doing better than me. Let's just say that. Um, but the perception of reality is so distorted because the, the outside spectators think, oh, these girls just take off their their clothes and they make all this money because that's what they're seeing in the media. But they're not understanding the work that goes into it and the mental and physical anguish that yep. it causes because, you know, you you I had a guy that ordered a custom video and I told him, hey, look, this is the deal. Um, it takes me a week or two to shoot the customs, blah, 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 blah. blah. And three days later, he I had OnlyFans emailing me saying that this customer is claiming fraud because I wouldn't give him his custom the same exact day. Okay. This guy needs to fucking chill the fuck out over your masturbation material. It's not like you're out of milk and you're trying to make a smoothie, buddy. You know what I'm saying? I I probably negotiated this custom deal while I was grocery shopping. Like, what am I supposed to do? Rip off my clothes and it's a lot of engagement if you want to make money at it it's a lot of engagement and you know chris has heard me say this before i feel that OnlyFans members unlike pornhub previewers the OnlyFans members really do feel it's it's a little bit of layaway to your vagina so they feel a little entitled to you that monthly little nut they're paying which isn't that much but thank you all for paying it we appreciate you so much but it doesn't mean you can send me a hundred messages in three days yelling at me for not answering the last and the last. And then I scroll and I'm like, man, every day this guy must get so heated because he must see me log on. You know, they know when you're on updating your, your page. Mm-hmm. And so they see you and then the DMs start coming in and I, and I, I ignore it and I ignore it. And then it's just like, I know you were on here. I'm like, oh my God, buddy, like just masturbate again. Just do what you got to do. Relax. Okay. Well, there but- are, there are, and I do admire these women, but there are women and men who live on their OnlyFans. Like that yeah. is, that yeah. is all they, they live, their yeah. OnlyFans, they breathe their OnlyFans. And I admire them that. Like we did at one time being in porn and on the road because it was our only choice to maximize that time frame to make the most amount of money, to get the most out of it, to set up our future. So there was years where you and I between, you know, you can count the amount of days you took off with friends as opposed to yeah. days you used as off days for traveling, recovering, getting your nails done, getting your shit done between trips. I can remember having landing on Sundays and having every appointment set up so that by Monday I can be back on set and I can get my couple of days and then be back out on the road. You know, we didn't really have that kind of downtime. We did that, but we had multi different operations going on that were very diversified. I think this will wear thin a bit, but it's just a little disclaimer out there. Like there is going to be something that comes with making this much money. And that's where you start to make the decision. My life is not 
OnlyFans. Like that's not, you know, I'm in school. I have a family. I have animals. I, I have a life. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but OnlyFans is really just a gateway until I can open my own salon and, you know, really progress to that, um, side of the industry. And it's nothing personal. It's just, I've been doing this since I was 20 years old and I'm going to be 32. And, you know, I know a lot of people have done it longer. You did it longer. And and I just, I just don't feel like I have that much more time left in me. I understand. And I am. You can hit a wall easily. You can hit a wall. I've hit a wall in this situation, (laughs) but you know, it's, there's a gratitude towards our fun loving fans. that just want to see all of our old content, recycle anything or see anything. We're so thankful to have them. That's such a great little stream of income, but yeah, there's taking it to a limit where it controls your entire life. And that's when anything that you're doing becomes toxic. And I can remember before OnlyFans, it was that, um, was it Fan Central? There was this thing. thing Fan thing. Central, the Snapchat thing. Oh, right. I did that for like a month. And I was like, I don't know how these girls do it. I can't take And I can. I remember having my first meeting with them and I read the contract and it said, you have to update seven days a week, this many times. It was like a dozen times a day. You have to do this. You do that. And they're like, well, you'll make this much money. And I'm like, yeah, but what about my mental it health? Like, yeah, yeah. And I said, you really can't. You're making these girls employees. I remember getting into a huge argument with them at, at Exotica's show. I said, you're making these girls employees, to be honest with you. You're telling them exactly how many days a week they have to work. And as a matter of fact, you owe them some fucking overtime because nobody asks girls to work. So I just knew by looking at the paperwork, it gave me anxiety. So I knew that when OnlyFans came, this was going to be at my own pace. I did not feel that I needed to suffocate my phone in my face because when I was Talking to some of the younger girls, I say to them, do you give yourself a day where you get to be yourself without that kind of makeup on? Maybe with your friends. They're like, well, I can't. I've got to update my fan censure. They won't let you use, you know, save files. I'm like, you know what? Fuck these people. Okay. Fuck these people. I hated them for that. But it allowed me to have a little bit of a data point that when this happened, I was like, oh, there's going to be a scheduler. I'm going to like ease into this. I'm going to enjoy it. I get to recycle everything I've did. I get to go through the pandemic and relive some really great sexual experiences I've already had when we weren't just out meeting new people and having a ton of random sex, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I, I do want to say I'm so thankful, especially during the pandemic for those who have, you know, contributed to my OnlyFans because when feature dancing stopped because of the pandemic, I, all my, all my income stopped. And, you know, I could have gone back to working in the medical field. I mean, LA County was emailing me constantly saying, Hey, can you work at this ER? Can you do this? And I just knew my heart wasn't in it. And I've always been that way. If my heart is not in something, I can't do it, but I'm so thankful for my subscribers because they really have, you know, they really have been there and they've gone through their own shit like and you know have. i know you didn't do it when i told you to but i was up your ass about this you know uh, when we were on the ranch like two years ago okay we did our scene up and, I was like, eh. and let's tell this story so it was my movie sometimes i share holly randall was gonna shoot camera and video we both love working with holly and she just says beautiful work and you know as i've been scrolling through a lot of my pictures, I've been sending emails to different photographers and just kind of thanking them. Like, Hey, I have a lot of her sets and I remember having some great times with you. And Holly just has done such beautiful work. You know, she's beautiful. But 
we had this, I had the schedule at the ranch and custom for Brett. I'm like, we need to have the horses as the background. This is her whole thing. She's got the gear, whatever guy she wants. We're going to do this scene right on hay because I want to do the so scene fun. right on hay. So it was me and you and Ryan Driller, who's just an awesome human being. One of the few yeah, men in the industry Ryan. was just like, he's just, he's, he's, He's in his community. He does volunteer work. He does charity things. He's guided. He's smart. He's mindful. And so it was a pleasure. We were outdoors. It was April. It was April of 2018. And the weather was spectacular. We had two weeks on the ranch before all the fires came through and before the grass blades were like really high. And Holly and I had planned that out like in January. She's like, this will be the greatest three-week span at the ranch weather-wise before everything dries out, before we have to start to trim the brush. And she was right. It was just beautiful. And I remember that day was just so much fun. We did our side-by-side Insta story. We were just giddy. And I've just enjoyed you. And I've enjoyed you as a beautiful woman. Your photos were always so incredible. And, you know, we admire people who, we love to take photos. You and I would do solo photos for the rest of forever. We just don't want to be oh, around I everybody else. totally <laughs> We don't want to be around everybody else. If I didn't have to focus so much on like being perfectly fit, I would do it until I was like 80. Right. Solo, you're in your own head, you're taking your photos. But we had a great time uh, that day on set. I always love doing scenes outside. It's always been one of my things. So I'm glad that you were in one of my last movies because it meant a lot to me to share that space with you and connect with you again, even though we've known each other for years, but just on that next level. Yeah. And, you know, that was the thing is I really craved that fun um, experience and the industry started changing where it wasn't really fun like that anymore. And, you know, the industry, remember, you'd go to ABN and everyone was like family and like it was just, you know, it was crazy. All the fans and like you do this, you do that, this party, that party, this event, that event. And then, you know, it just started to shift and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a glamour girl and there's no more glamour girls in this industry. It's like, and, and they wanted more and more and more from me. And that was when I realized I just can't do stuff that's not authentic to myself. So I kind of just was like, you know, I'm not going to do any mainstream adult films anymore. And then I just went to feature dancing full time and went to school and did all that. And a lot of people gave me backlash. I remember I was bullied out of my first um, time back. And I remember this because we both went through something very similar. Let me go back to AVN. My very last AVN, uh, the the actual trade show, I had a meltdown halfway through. Most people don't know this because I never told anybody. Everybody just thought my shifts were over. I had my own production company. So this was either 2013, 2014. It was before my retirement. Of course. And I'm at Jules' booth because that's who is distributing my product. And I'm standing in one of the suits that I wore in one of the movies on the box cover that's up there, right? But I'm at Jules' booth. So you realize that every other girl is either in a thong, a fucking thong, and maybe even fucking barefoot, which like that was what I was. And a guy came up to me. This was like day two where there was supposed to be four days. And a guy thought I was in fucking sales. He thought I was the salesperson that worked for Jules Jordan because I had clothes and I looked at everybody at the booth. I was like, that's it. I'm tapping out. Fuck this shit. I can't stand here in all of these clothes because what would happen is you had two girls on this side. They're letting the guys 
lick their boobs and touch them and do all these crazy. Yeah. And then they come up to me and I'm like, I'll stand by you. Well, why? That girl, let me do. Well, let me tell you, that girl jumps off the bridge. You think I'm jumping off? The, and then you have that, these well, the debates. Thing. It exhausted like the, me. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not a salesperson." Like, our like the era that I came up in in the adult industry was, um, you know, very classy. Like, of sex, course, but classy. Of course, we like, both came from that. No way in hell I was getting on a, a little podium and bending over and showing like. <sighs> To or like, letting the guys wait, letting the guys sit in a chair and sitting on their laps so you can spread the. I, I saw it all. It just, it, you're right, it did change. It also changed of the magnitude of bloggers and stuff that started to come. I remember that same AVN, it was red carpet, and I, again, minor meltdown. Nobody knew, but maybe they did. You know, people did say I wasn't. That's all right. We all have our meltdowns. <laughs> but people would just be taking photos and they'd be like, hey, look over here. What's your name? If you don't fucking know who I am after I've been in the business at that time, like 25 years, and, and you you're just trying to get a photo and your assistant's going to write the caption of who the fuck I am, then go fucking find your dad and DP your mom because I am not having that. So I would lose my shit when people would say, hey, let me take a photo. What's your name? And I would just be like, fuck you. You know, so it wore on me. Obviously, I was burned out. Obviously, I'd had enough. Obviously, I wore too many clothes. You and I were just brought in in this beautiful era of glam. And then it kind of evolved. And I think we just grew out of it. And now here we are both doing something totally different. I'm excited for your new experience because I know I will come to get services when I'm there. And I know you're going to be great at this. And I know that you have really learned so much about business. We all have. Being in this business teaches you how to, if you can make money, naked in a room of drunk men and survive, you can fucking do anything. I'm going to tell you that right now. You can do anything. (laughs) And I want, I want, you know, all the women that are in the adult industry to know. um, I think a lot of them see this like brick wall. Once I'm in the business, that's it. Like there's not, because society puts that in your head, but I am a, I am a living example that you can do whatever you want. You can do adult and be working on an ambulance and nobody has to know. I mean, granted, I went through a lot of like, obstacles. I mean, I legally changed my name and I did all this to, to really shelter myself because I, um, I had it a little bit different than most performers because of my ex and being sure. tabloids sure. and sure. being spotlighted in the mainstream world. But I tell girls this all the time. Look, I'm doing fantasy sports radio. Look, I have a podcast. Like, well, like we, I told you, I admire this. you. I admire you because you have parlayed that. And I think every person in adult should parlay I their agree. brand that they built into something else because I you agree. can't do this forever. You no, just- you cannot have limitless conversations with feverish masturbators for the rest of your life and feel great every day when you wake up. You just can't. And yeah. by the way, I uh, was kind of briefing this on Chris before we let you go. I, I, I decided on my lives chat today on Facebook that I was going to ask if anybody had been to a strip club, club since the pandemic. Uh-huh. So I want to know if they're wearing masks. They're not. And, well, the girls or the guys? Uh, I saw somebody who was featuring in Texas and I saw her footage. Jam-packed club. Like I'm talking like sardines in a can. Not it's one, Texas. Not one person was wearing Jesus, a mask. Because this guy said that they had to wear masks. And I thought it was great because, you know, as a stripper, guys like to do weird things to you, like blow on you. Ew. You know, when you're doing the dance or do you ever have a guy lick you? You know, um, it gets. I've had, I've had some really uh, not so pleasant experiences, and people hear my experiences and they're like, "Then why'd you still do it?" I'm like, 
I don't know. <laughs> um, I got bit in the leg by a guy at the Santa Barbara Spearmint Rhino and had to go to the hospital to get a tetanus shot. Okay. And the guy took a chunk of my leg in his mouth. Okay. A chunk. Okay. It was very traumatic. It was, and yes, I still kept yeah. dancing, but um, those were the moments that I savor because I remembered there was going to be a next chapter to my life. And it wasn't always going to be about being licked and bit in strip clubs. There's going to be another life. And here we are. We're living it. And Brett, I can't wait to bring you back on and hear all about your business once you open it and visit it when I come to see you, everyone. Brett Rossi, thank you so thank much for joining so much us for today. having me. Mwah. Man, it's always great to catch up with all of my friends from my many lives that I've lived already. Don't forget, you can follow Brett Rossi on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Brett Rossi. And now it is time for me and Chris to go down the wild ride that is the mailbag. And I've learned something. I don't think everybody knows what a podcast is. Like I'm getting questions about watching the podcast. Isn't podcast generally just a listening thing? That's what I would have thought. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So let's kick it off with this first question. And this is from John, who clearly doesn't know what a podcast is. (laughs) In the subject, he says, how can I get access to your podcast? That seems simple enough. Maybe you just can't find it on on Apple or or wherever else you get Or on the thousand posts a day that I put on Twitter, Facebook, and everything else. So John says, ma'am, I've been trying to see some of your podcasts that I missed, but I couldn't view it. Tried several times. Please, how can I do that? I'm from Africa, Nigeria. You know, I went into the customer service space of my brain today, and it just so (laughs) happens I'm on Twitter, and this same fella reaches out to me. So I decided to be the good customer service person that I am, asked him what kind of phone he had, discovered that he had an Android, explained to him it's only audio, sent him the Simplecast link, and voila, he is now able to access my, my, my podcast. So. I really felt like I had done a good deed of the day. I followed through. If I was working in a place where you sent a survey, I would hope that this young man would fill out the survey that Lisa Ann did a great job in solving this mystery. Definitely. Oh, what a happy ending to that story. And hopefully we can hear back from him next week. (laughs) I knew you'd be proud. I saw you last night and then this morning I recognized the name. And then in the tweet, he said, I also sent you an email. I'm from Nigeria. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. I can connect the dots here. I can fix this. Perfect. Done. Let's, Let's hear some feedback from John next week. That'd be great. Next question is from Gabriella. And she says, dear Lisa Ann, congratulations on everything you've achieved today. My boyfriend has been following your career. Coincidentally, he shares the same birthday as you, and it would be wonderful if I could organize a virtual meeting with him for his birthday next year. It's a, it's a big one, as you know, and I would love to make it special for him. Lots of love. I sure hope that Gabriella listens to the podcast. I might even email back to her and make sure that she does, because we always are trying to get in more female listeners and more female mm-hmm. voices. But This is super sweet. And this is one of my favorite things about Cameo is that I get these girlfriends, wives. I just had one wife. She got like 
10 different girls to make a cameo. And then she edited it together for her husband's birthday. It was like his top <laughs> 10 favorite stars from the industry. I was like, this chick's badass. Like, yeah. I love her. I feel the same way about Gabriella. So, Gabriella, if you're listening, you can find me on Cameo, The Real Lisa Ann. We do. I can do a video message and you can give me specifics. It's really great. Or he can have a virtual call with me on Cameo Calls. So, check that out. That's the way I do it. It's just a cool little new feature. And uh, Gabriella rocks. Thanks for the email, Gabriella. Don't be a stranger. Next question is from now, Alexander. Wait. When you read this question, I want you to read it carefully and see if you may see why, other than the fact that the whole email is in the subject matter, but if you may see why I was so caught off by it. Oh, you're caught off because you don't know if it's a good email or a bad email. <laughs> you don't know what he's, he's meaning by when he says, Hi, Lisa, I would like to ask, how are you still beautiful until now? My beauty just ended when I read that email. Just I now. I mean, it was over just now. It, I shouldn't have read it. I shouldn't have read it. Damn it. Just now. I read it and I was like, um, I'm kind of thinking he didn't mean that, but I'm going <laughs> to take it as he did and say it's over. I was doing a Facebook Live today and one of the guys said to me, Lisa, you know, you're old and it's getting really sad. <laughs> and I said to him, you know what it is? I said, it's it's sad. And I said, I really hope that you live to be this old to feel how sad it is. Because, you know, I'm over here planning my death, you know? Yeah, exactly. But um, it, it, it is what it is. Like, this is some trolling. But this guy thinks I was beautiful and I'm not anymore. So, everybody, the beauty gene is gone. Now it is time for me to study, learn more languages, and get more skills. Because, obviously, I can't rely on my looks anymore. Yeah. You did a good job for making, uh, making yeah, it last this run. long. But, you good know. run. Yeah, really yeah. good run. Exactly. Good innings. Uh, next question is from Rock the Party ninety four. <laughs> what a great oh, email! Wow. I want to rock the party ninety four. I'm Boom. excited for this question. <laughs> party to uh, Rock the Party ninety four says Lisa Ann. I'm a huge fan of you. I had to sneak and watch your films. I don't do films, but I was hoping can you give me some advice? I feel I will never lose my virginity. It bothers me. Rock to party is definitely not rocking to party. Okay, so let's let's straighten out that email thing first. There's so much in this email, not just the name, but here's the thing: stop watching films. I bet you we were having sex younger because it was the only way for us to figure out what we all look like naked and what was going on with our bodies because we didn't watch porn, right? We didn't have this access to this content. I want him to actually leave the house and rock to party. And actually stop watching porn and not have sex again until he can meet somebody that will actually do it with him. That's how you're going to lose your virginity. Go out there and use that thing, as I like to say. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty simple advice and probably the best advice. <laughs> Great <Love> advice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Next question is from Rufus. I think Which, by the way, we've never gotten a Rufus before, mm-hmm. which is a great name. This is good. And I don't think Rufus realizes that he's emailing you because all he says is, how much to book Lisa Ann? Yes, obviously, uh, Rufus <laughs> hires uh, the escorts, right? Yeah. And this is how they engage. Right? It's very blunt. So it's very usually the girls in their heading of their bio on their social media says the email is something booking. You know, you're like, oh, okay. So this guy <laughs> thinks this. It's just so funny about it. But again, I'm starting to see these a lot, which really makes me COVID curious. Now, I, I started a conversation today on Facebook Live asking people if anyone had been to a strip club yet, and what it was like, because I was just curious. Um, guy said, yes, customers have to wear masks. And I was like, well, for strippers, that's awesome because 
You don't have to have any guys lick you. Do you know how many guys just like lick what? you? Oh yeah, it's a normal occurrence. Like you're oh, walking by, man. if you're not watching, you lick your arm. You're doing a dance oh. that lick your face. Like you would burn your skin off your fucking body. Or they blow on you to get your attention. When you're like standing and talking to somebody, if a guy's behind you, he starts blowing on you. Like oh, both God. of those things made me want to murder people. Um, so with a mask, it's a stripper's delight. They don't have to worry about getting licked or blown on because the customers are wearing masks. So I was like, okay, so there was that. But Rufus is out there trying to get some during COVID times. I wonder if he's traveling with a rapid test or if he just doesn't care. Do you think Rufus just doesn't care? Probably. Okay. I'd, I'd say that's probably the more the more accurate answer. Oh, uh, okay. Man, people are fucking weird. <laughs> if that's what they're doing, my goodness gracious. That's insane. The licking? Come on, boy. Yeah, come on, oh, guys. Oh, and I will just tell you this. Because I please. started stripping so young. Every single one of my guy friends, I told him to either blow on a girl his first time into a strip club. They come to me like, you know, what do I do? What are the girls like? I'm like, oh, the girls love it when you blow on them. (laughs) And if the girl's giving you a dance, lick her neck. And like all my guy friends were like getting the shit smacked out of them in strip clubs. (laughs) Jesus. What is wrong with people, man? Anyway, let's move on before I vomit. Our last question is from Frederick. And Frederick says... Simply, please unblock me on Instagram. I'm a real fan, Lisa. Let me tell you uh, the badges what did that he you do? need to earn to get blocked from me on Instagram. What did he do? It's just this not a flighty good. thing. This is not something that just happens when I'm in a mood. It takes days on days on days. And this guy, this specific guy, Frederick, has not only been, since I got on social media, somebody that I have to reblock on all three platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter every month because he just sets up a new account and he just obsesses and tells me how much he loves me and how much he wants to marry me and how much he wants to be with me. He's hella creepy. There's another one. His name is Frank. He does the same thing. This adds so much paperwork to my life that not only do I have to read all these messages, then I have to block them. Then they come back. So now I found a way to like alert everyone if you see this person. So now they're starting to email me to unblock you. No, I am not a blife. You got blocked. You obviously deserved it. And I'm sorry. You can follow an imposter that I guarantee will put up better (laughs) photos than I do that are way racier and more what you want to see. I also guarantee that that imposter will engage in unlimited activity for maybe just the exchange of an Apple gift card or two. So, I mean, I say go for it. Get into your happy space. It's not going to be on my social media. Well, that was that's fair enough. Frederick to me seems like a type of guy that would uh, bite a performer at a strip club. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. what that's he's what he the, seems he's like. He's the guy to that me. says he I bought you in the, in the internet, and yeah. I come. Well, I'm going to. I'm taking her home. What do you mean? I bought her on the internet. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Yeah, I bought Lisa. I bought her. I bought her last week. What are you talking about? Crazies. <laughs> Oh, it was so great to enjoy a conversation with Brett Rossi. Uh, Don't forget, you can follow her at I'm Brett Rossi on Twitter and Instagram. All of you, Chris, thank you for another week coming off the bench for the mailbag. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the mailbag, asklisaann at gmail.com. I know that those that are sending the date questions aren't listening. If you're a new listener, don't ask me out on a date because it's not going to work through the email. Be better than that. Just be better. You know, do would you rather. We love would you rather. Would you rather your new neighbor have 
a baby coming in five minutes or a dog? Because I was just faced with that situation, okay? <laughs> I, I didn't know if they were going to have a dog. Have a dog. There's a baby coming in five minutes. Like, I thought it was five minutes in the first conversation. So there will be a baby uh, next door, which is going to be awesome. But um, I don't really collect. Lucky like one small wall. But send a good would you rather. We like would you rather. Don't ask me out. It's not happening. You're a creeper. Beware. Okay, everybody. Rate. Subscribe. Review. Do nice things. Write lots of reviews. Tell your friends to write reviews. Um, all of those good things help me out so much right here. I'm proud to be part of the SiriusXM podcast family. You're listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. SiriusXM podcast.